so James, this week we're doing a, uh, a an opinions episode. Two minutes hate or three minutes hate. What was the original thing? Uh, the original thing from the book 1984 was the two minutes hate. Yeah, was it two minutes hate? Um, the two this minutes hate. This yeah. isn't hate. This isn't hateful. Daniel, you're not a hateful man. No, and, um, the two minutes discussion. Well, it's no. You're going to have to talk real quick. Two or three minutes. It's three minutes is a little bit more latitude. Shall we do the three minutes hate? Let's do it. Let's do the three minutes hate. You, you can kick it off. Okay. All right. So here we go. Number one. So uh, recently, as in uh, a couple of weeks ago, the journal Metapsychology uh, published an article authored by Stephen Lindsay, the former editor of Psychological Science, yes. uh, called A Plea to Psychology Professional Societies that Publish Journals Assess Computational Reproducibility. Okay. Um, it includes uh, a, a few a few lines, I think, which are pleasantly pointed that bring me a certain sense of happiness. Publishing scientific articles without testing computational reproducibility is like selling health remedies without knowing what's in them. Um, I think that's, uh, that's, that's nice. That's nice and, uh, kind of snarky. Some might argue that peer reviewers should do this work. Some peer reviewers do look at the data and scripts that is laudable, but it is service above and beyond the call of duty of peer reviewers. It is already difficult to review, to recruit reviewers, adding demands on them would not help. A more ambitious proposal might call for a rigorous assessment of the formal appropriateness of reported analyses. So, given that, Dan, and the fact that we've heard all of this before, why, and I've got my timer here, why is computational reproducibility still a topic that needs to have editorials written about it in 2023? Start. It is because this stuff takes time. Um, Some people don't necessarily have the skills to do this. I think within our bubbles, we just assume everyone knows how to use Python. Everyone knows how to use R. You're putting your R script on there and not all reviewers necessarily know how to use this. Doesn't mean they are necessarily worse researchers if they're using SPSS. You can you can do some, some great science if you're doing SPSS, if you're using it correctly. So we need to emphasize this because it's not happening. I think looking at the evidence now, um, very rarely do I see in the papers that I submit, maybe one out of 20 would be a person going, I ran the code and it worked, or I ran the code and I have some feedback, which is even rarer and even better. So it's not happening now because it takes expertise and it takes time. And I, I'm not sure how to solve this. We can't twist people's arms to do this. I think some journals, I think Metapsychology actually is one of the few journals which has this as part of the review process in which somebody actually does evaluate the computational reproducibility. I think Samine Vizier has mentioned this as part of a platform as the new editor or was the incoming editor-in-chief of Psychological Science that the computational reproducibility will be included. I'm not sure if I'm misremembering that. Um, but it does take volunt- it does take a specific volunteer who is part of the editorial team, or it does take somebody who has that expertise. And I think if you're part of a fancy journal, you probably do do have that luxury of being able to find someone who can do that kind of stuff, or being able to have someone on your editorial board which can um, which can do this. I think the other alternative which I've seen is having um, simply mentioning in your paper that computational reproducibility was cross-checked by this person. If it's somebody who's also a co-author on the paper, this this is policy within my own lab. Um, the second person on a different system, preferably a different operating system, reruns the analysis and checks this. Um, that is something that I do. To the very least, you can actually say within your paper, within your code, this was cross-checked on this date by this person and they got the same results as reported in the paper. That's a good thing. To have someone independently do that is a better thing. But again, that... Um, that requires extra resources. So it's just, it's a time thing. It's a resources thing. I think this is a good idea, um, but um, that's why we're not seeing it right now. How's my time going, James? You have 22 seconds. I have 20, I have 20 seconds to go. Read, 20 seconds to yeah, go. Read a fucking um, haiku yeah, or something. Let's I make this know. a thing. Um, I'm, not, I th- I'm not interrupting it. <laughs> 
if this becomes more normalized, but more people doing this by demonstrating this either within their own labs or getting other co-authors to do this, maybe there can be some sort of swap system. You agree to computationally reproduce a, a colleague's work if, 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 if you do it for them. There you go. Three minutes. Mm. What, do you, what do you think about all this? You're a charming, you're a charming little womble, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, hard, so hard things are hard, eh? <laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah. I, I, I think you might have missed a step. Okay. Tell you what I think it is. So obviously I've had longer to think about it than than you have. I think you, if you wanted to do something like this, there's obviously the, the infrastructure to be able to do it is missing. Exactly how would it be done? Would it be? It would have to be some very one size fits all bullshit. Because it's very difficult to tell people in what analytical environment to work. Yeah? So yeah. if you're going to do it manually, then you're putting quite a strong burden of, uh, of proof uh, onto the person who's doing the reproducibility. If it's part of the, you know, if it's part of the peer review process or otherwise. And we're not at the point where analysis is particularly simple, even in reasonably simple topics. I mean, things start getting very confusing, very fast, exactly what was handled where, by who, how do the pieces fit together, etc. Challenging. Um, and I don't think there's a way. I mean, we've talked for many, many years about living papers and dynamic figures and elements, and I think the problem is that there's no, there's no commercial space to be able to develop stuff like that. That's for infrastructure. Like you would have to build it, and then you have to try and sell it, and it would be, it would take a very special team of people to be able to do that for the amount of money that you could get to be able to do it in the first place. So I think it's very difficult for the tools to be able to do this to exist more than anything else. I don't think the environment has presupposed that. and Because if it did, it would already exist. I've been writing about this recently and I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about it. Well, sorry, go again. So, so basically you're saying that if, 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 if this was an easy problem to solve, this, this platform would already exist. And the fact that it doesn't exist demonstrates that it's a hard problem to solve. Is that what you're saying? No, because that would be a bit thick, wouldn't it? Um, that's sort of getting a little bit fallacy-flavoured, isn't it? What I'm saying is there's no easy format for an author to put that into, and there's no easy format for someone who is a separate party to be able to do that checking, and it would be intrinsically yeah. rolled up with data and code being part of a paper. Right? Because you wouldn't want to computationally reproduce everything and then go, okay, that's cool, stick that in your pocket and then tell people it's not available when you write to them because it obviously fucking is. So like, mm. there's a very strong crossover between uh, open data and open code and computational reproducibility because that in per- because you need it in- if you want it in perpetuity, yeah? If yeah. you want everyone else to be able to check, they want any kind of uh, like contribution to... Uh, the scientific commons or you want anyone else to be able to confirm it themselves, it's got to exist in the public domain where people can access it, right? And if that's the case, it needs to exist in a certain format. It's probably not a big block of ugly fucking text with handwritten instructions. It needs to be in a format where no matter how you did it, it's going to come out the other side and behave itself. And we're now getting to the point where, like, what that what that would mean is, like, without significant infrastructure... Um, not everyone could be a reviewer in the computationally reproducible sense. Couldn't do it, right? You write it in one thing, you give it to someone else, and I go, I don't know how to fucking check that. What do I do? Hit the big green button? I have no idea. So 
if you want to do something like this, you'd have to like like most of these things, you'd have to you'd have to find a really good specific application and stuff from there and go forward. Um, which is what I always recommend when people when when people are telling me about their uh, idea for something that's in EdTech or SciTech or whatever. I always recommend that they find a place where the use case is absolutely fucking murderous and demonstrate value and think about what it actually means to get something to this much smaller market because it's going to change the way they think about the whole thing. Um, because everyone wants to, you know, oh, we've completely redesigned everything from scratch and now scientific publishing is different because we did the thing. All of it. All publication is now mm. different. We've, uh, we've solved it. Uh, really, really challenging to do. I think there's an inevitability to it, though, because I have a pretty low opinion on the amount of horseshit that is capable of being generated now. I mean, I saw a figure the other day, I think it was like 15%, 20%, something like that, of scientists who are using ChatGPT. And people are like, oh, it hasn't achieved full market penetration yet or something else. It's like, that's not many people. I go, mate, if it's that many people over this short a period of time and they're fucking scientists, that is lightning fast compared to lots of other people. Like one in six or something? Imagine any other piece of software or tool or utility where one in six scientists were using it in six months. That's not a thing. That is a that's a massive rate of growth. Uh and, you know, it's going to get higher. Uh, and I think there's a huge crowding out effect that's going to come. Because bear in mind, people will use large language models not just to dodgy things up, but also to make their writing faster, improve shit they've already written, paraphrase, um, improve their English if they're ESL, et cetera, et cetera. There's a thousand legitimate uses of it and then a handful of truly dodgy ones. And I think the dodgy ones will get a big strong look in, but so will everything else as well. So the value of words in order um, in some respects is, is going to be hugely depressed because they are, they are becoming infinitely more accessible. And when that happens, you're out of your quality signal that is here is my fancy sophisticated writing is, is going down. So I think more than anything else that's going to be providing a certain degree of pressure to make sure that data and code products are at the center of even not particularly empirical papers. I think that's what's coming. Is a publication bonus, so getting money for publishing papers, a good idea? in any way possible is there any benefits at all for paying people extra bonuses for publishing papers no it's, it's a fucking terrible idea for a number of reasons um first of all j just just inherently obviously the the venue where, where something's published is in no way a marker of either the either the inherent immediate quality of what's actually been done. Uh, it's also not a marker of the eventual historical quality. That's much, much harder. It's very, very difficult to say at the time exactly how significant will this turn out to be in the future. So it doesn't actually mean much from a scientific perspective. I, you, you can put some faith in analyses that say it's more likely to be retracted if it comes from a fancy journal, but obviously the, the collective rates are so low um, that I, I, I don't know how much credence we should give to that. But the main thing, obviously, and as you've probably intuited yourself, is the fact that if you get money for doing a thing and you need to get it closer to the line, you are far more likely to obfuscate, gild lilies, help analyses along a little bit, or just straight out fucking make shit up. Um, it would be very easy to design a scam around a payment that's like that. Um, for instance, it was just that now basically someone's given you a budget for which you can uh, assemble resources in order in a way to make it worthwhile for yourself. So let's say you give me $10,000 to publish the fanciest paper in the whole fucking world. Okay, well, now I have a direct incentive to go out and offer someone five grand to let me be a member of their paper. 
it depends on how it works, of course. Maybe it's first authors only. Uh, maybe it's senior authors only. Maybe it's everyone from an institution, but whatever. But like I said, there's a million ways. To, there's a million ways to cut this. Um, if you're going to fake it from scratch, shit, you could sell. You could you could double it up. You could sell access to one group of people uh, for money, and then you yourself could be collecting the bonus as it comes out the other side. For something that's really fancy. Plenty of money in being able to throw that shit over the line because no one's ever going to pay you to publish anything quiet. That's like. You know, that's it, it, uh, further down the publication chain. Like your society journals and the things that end up in government ratings of the BLC, like, no one's going to pay for that in the first place. Um, everyone likes to shit on about incentives, more or less, in perpetuity, but you're basically you're, you're coming out and saying this is what we value as well. This is the center of it. It's not how it's done. It's not what it means. It's not how carefully you chose the topic. It's not what accompanies it. It's not it's in any kind of longevity of what it's found. It's directly equating your job, which is finding stuff out, with the act of publishing papers. And the act of publishing papers has a tenuous relationship at best with actually finding stuff out. Um, especially because if you find stuff out empirically and you can't get the empirical work into the fancy place, you're far more likely to produce something else that's not empirical to try and get it to the door of fancy Malone. More meta-analyses, more editorials, more horseshit, less actual science. Three minutes. I'm amazing. That is my candid and sincere opinion. Can you justify the answer of there's a, a, a time and a place where this makes sense or is a good idea? I think my perspective is this is already indirectly happening. In that people are. Of course, are, it's indirectly happening. You, you, literally, what you didn't ask about. <laughs> <laughs> this, no, this, this, this is indirectly happening. So, if it's indirectly happening, why not formalize the system and why not formalize the system to, to advantage us and to incentivize the kind of behaviors that we want to see? This is very common in business schools. Uh, I thought this was only a thing that happened in other countries, but um, looking into this a bit more, sorry. I why do you know this is so common in business schools, Dan? Have you been reading the twitters? Uh, no, because I just know that the local large business school in Oslo does this thing, and I was kind of shocked when I first heard oh, this. Do you know how much money is involved in what journals and what position you have to be in on the um on the the journal thing? As far as I know. Um, this goes by the Norwegian system where there's basically two different classes of journals, the fancy ones and the okay journals. And the amount you get depends on which one of those classes of journals that you published in. I think it doesn't matter as to can, what can position. We, can, we take a t- can we take a tiny break while you look up uh, exactly uh, exactly how much money it is? Oh, how many knocks? Let's see, let's, how let's, many let's knocks see if I can, is it? Let's see if I can find this. Um, What's the going knock rate for a fancy jur- publication in the Journal of Fucking Management? Whatever. <laughs> let's, let's find out. Literally uh, Google. Things, I'm not sure. Like this, this, whatever. This this is one of those things that like it's sort of like it's not secret, but it sort of is. So I I think a long time ago I went looking for this information and it kind of wasn't there, but internally it's kind of known. I remember being like, not shocked, but surprised at how much it was. So I, I, I think we're talking around the ballpark of like, um, like, like, a, like a thousand US dollars per per. I, I remember doing the numbers, thinking if I was, if I had the system for the for the stuff that I was publishing, I was curious as to like, what if I moved to this institution? I think I ran the numbers, and I will get close to doubling my salary if I was to do that based on my publication track record. So for it's real? like. Something like that, yeah. I have to look at the numbers again because I couldn't. Uh, I, I it took me a long time to find it because I, I think I actually had to ask a colleague who works there, going, "Where is this? Where is this written down?" And um, the basic idea behind this uh, is that they need to compete with people. This is a business school thing because they need to actually compete and be able to attract. So I think in general. The um, people that work there already actually get the highest salaries compared to other institutions. But on top of that, they get this publication bonus um, as well because A, they need to compete with um, industry. With B, they also need to compete with other business schools as well because this is this is the norm for business schools, at least within Europe. I don't know. Is this, is, is this the norm in the States? Do you know, do you know this, James? Um, well, funnily enough, uh, I do know this. Okay. 
And it was because someone was having a conversation the other day and the smoldering remnants of the Twitters, <laughs> I refuse I refuse to call it fucking whatever it's supposed to be called now. X. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, Twitter forever. Yeah, pretty much. Um Someone asked whether or not that was the case, and obviously uh, everyone's heard of the, the SCI system in China, yeah. uh, which was uh, famously problematic in terms of- Has it stopped uh, now? Or like dodgy uh, shit. publicly yeah, stopped? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yes, yes. It's, uh, some, it was a couple of years ago. Oh, um, for some reason I just was, thought it was just it was, continued. It was okay. extensively changed. No, I, I, don't, I don't think they did. It's very difficult sometimes to get, um, to get clear news, especially considering that- Obviously, China is the size of uh, all of the U.S., uh, all of Western Europe, and most of South America uh, and Central America put together. Yeah. Um, so, if they've got one policy, uh, unless it's a federal policy that is announced to some fanfare and then reported on in English, a lot of the time we won't know what the hell's going on, which sure. is completely ignorant of uh, the day-to-day life there when it comes to uh, research processes, uh, and, you know, and everything else, but research processes in this case, um, the response that I got on the twerts was, I mean, I thought it would be, I, I thought a lot of people would say, uh, well, no, that's, a, that's not really a thing. We've never tried it, but it kept popping up again and again and again in business and management okay. journals. Um, schools, you mean? Oh well, yes. Yeah, in the sorry, you're absolutely right. In the schools for publications in business and yes. management journals. Yes. You know, like I think if you if you put your paper in science and nature, it would not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> science nature itself. It would. What? You're kidding uh, me. Science <laughs> science nature itself. I don't. I don't, I don't think that would count. So I was surprised by how ubiquitous it was, but yeah. also the fact that it seems very focused on uh, people who are studying some commercial topic. That was uh, that was not what I was expecting. Okay. So I thought that was um, – I, I mean, I still think it's a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that people do it doesn't make me think it's less terrible. Uh this is also, I mean, there is this sort of, there, there is this perspective that, well, if you, I could actually, I could actually be out doing the business, so you need to pay me a commensurate salary that's closer to what commercial life would regularly Well, that's, that's the justification for the system, one of the justifications. It, it, it is, it is, uh, I, just, I don't think that's uniquely true of, uh, I don't think that's uniquely true of business at all. Um, okay. I, I I really don't. I think it's a lot more true of of other areas like uh, mining and geosciences stuff. Like the opportunities for commercial work, if you have a degree in that, are fabulously straightforward <laughs> and <laughs> extremely well compensated. But they don't. Uh, they haven't picked up this system. Maybe it's some like um, weird likewise, historical. There's some there's some areas of biology uh, right now. I mean, not all of them. This is a tremendous glut of people who are in the life sciences but if you'd carefully chosen that i think that it would be um if you know if you were talking about well we're going to reward you you you, you stay around and you you keep publishing cns papers and um, we'll feather your bed a little bit scratchy scratchy backy backy um it's just you know they're very definitely on the same axis i think maybe it's just the business people who are full of shit and um, they've conned conned everyone else that the, their skills in particular are special and fancy. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh. I mean, my sole contact with uh, business marketing uh, management and commercial journals is looking at through the the lens of uh, of this person is fucking fake something. <laughs> is this because <laughs> I'm know? never going to read anything like that for fun or even for my own personal edification. <laughs> is this and policy? I don't know. I've never met anyone in commercial life where I had now met a lot more people than I had five years ago, as you might expect. Mm. I've never read anything anyone's ever said or <laughs> talked to anyone who's ever said, I read this in the Journal of Business Management. McFuck. There is a, a complete disconnect to every conversation I've ever had with someone <laughs> in a commercial context and what's published about it. Is this incentive system... Existing at Harvard Business School. 
that's a very good question. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think they'd need to have it. Harvard, for having all the money in the world, are in some respects famously cheap. And I mean, maybe that's how they got all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, but no, I don't. I think that the, the fringe benefits of something like that are probably big enough where they don't need to go around uh, throwing, uh, throwing, walking around money at you yeah. uh, for publishing in some fucking journal. I mean, there's so many ways that people in an environment like that are already rewarded. You remember seeing these things like adding speaker fees and book things and whatever the fuck else. Yeah. And uh, this uh, Francesca Gino was, was making over a mill. That was before um, the additional the additional spe- speaking fees, from what I understand. That's just yeah, base, but I mean, it all depends on who. It, it, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, just, oh, okay. it's possible in that case that there's people at big business schools who are making more than like provosts and vice chancellors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what you that's what you've got to do if you want to keep us. Like, eh. fuck you. <laughs> I don't think, it's it's amazing it's amazing to think that but also i mean i i really don't see maybe this is my vast ignorance showing but i i just don't see i just don't see it having the you would think that there'd be strong ties between uh the the discourse around all the fabulous ideas and those frothy little wizards who pop up with some idea about how to run your company better xyz i mean the shit is going to happen forever until the end of time and it all goes through fads but the vast majority of these are built out of marketing they're not built out of a long-standing research program into <laughs> how to do compensation analysis or whatever you know and obviously there's tons of stuff that's on the, the like the actual results how do we do this and people do case studies of their own stuff and then talk about it and people say well you know they made 86 percent more money if they did this fucking thing but it's not mm. academic research it's an empirical demonstration of something mm. and it worked for them but they're not writing it up and submitting it to the journal or whatever it's just you know it's just it's just not on the it's it's not part of the discourse in the way that it is elsewhere you have or maybe it is, and I just talk to people who are more interesting than we talk about this shit. I, I, I think you changed your mind a bit because you've made a really good point that this doesn't exist as far as we know within the geosciences, and there is a lot of competition to go to, to go to industry in the geosciences, yet they don't have this sort of, at least as far as we know, geosciences schools don't have don't have uh, these these publication bonuses. But Yeah. And cause, I mean, I didn't even say engineering, although obviously, sure. look, yeah. you study something, you study some particular thing for 20 years, you've got to roll over. Like, this particular class of machine learning is really interesting and it's always going to be around because it's really good in problem class. Why? Yeah. I think that shit has no commercial value. Yeah. So, you know, every time someone's uh, they're like knocking out a conference paper, engineering is largely built out of conference papers, not the other kind, but obviously there are formal journals and those things do turn up. And just people are like, oh, there's a new class of analysis, X, Y, Z. Look at this, is really interesting. You can take data A, stick it in B, and the, the, there's this performance, there's this approach, this makes sense. We should all do it this way. I see that shit happening all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very definitely the case, yeah. you know, or we did something like that and we used it in order to solve this particular problem, right? But, you know, no one's going around rewarding the engineers. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just- uh, It must be one of those weird historical quirks. One business school did this a couple of years ago, then the other had decided they had to do that and then it just kind of spread and it seems yeah, like they're, they're doing it also, just a dumb like thing. How you- how are you supposed to advocate against to people who are in the thing? And you like you turn up, give some seminar at a business school, and go, "Hey, you should all have less money." He's like, "Oh, yes, please. We're yeah. the turkeys that vote for Christmas." Yeah, yeah, please put me in the poorhouse. You know, <laughs> but they're making, all, they're- making mortgage payments on a house <laughs> they can't afford, and you know, sitting there, uh, they fucking cat needs a new pair of shoes. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it, it's it's uh. Yeah, it's just look. This is anything anything that puts the the stories about science on a pedestal that's higher than the actual science, even if it's some fucking business science or whatever the hell you'd call it. <laughs> in, in, in general, I don't like it. 
And you can't expect me to like it. I think as as a as a side note, one thing and I covered this a little bit earlier in the episode about uh, Samin Vizier as the new editor in chief was this uh, one thing that she mentioned in her in her pitch was that they're going to work very closely with um, when it comes to press releases. So when the when the association or when the when the publisher is actually releasing a press release about the study, they're going to work with the handling editor to make sure that it is actually the press release isn't overregging what they actually found. So I quite I quite like that idea. How dare you presuppose my final three really? minutes of pain for you? Oh wow! What's the question? But it's not it's not Samine specific. Okay. Here is here is my uh, here is my question. Yeah. Given that Samine, uh, a woman that we both know well, mm. uh, is now going to be the editor of Psych Science, which is the the three of you don't know what that is. Uh, one of the central fancy psychological journals. Uh, it has a variety of creative policies, all designed to make the journal noticeably better to mm. my way of thinking. What's the one thing that people wouldn't expect or haven't thought of or would not see coming that Dr. Daniel Santiago Quintana Esquire, <laughs> PH Dick, <laughs> would propose for a similar journal or another fancy journal? What's the one policy where you'd be like, I really want to try that shit out and see what happens? Okay. No. I think most journals do a terrible job of um, when they do social media previews, um, they automatically just pick some random, um, some image, which is some ter- some boring image, or like um, the first figure of the paper, which is usually a prisma statement or some sort of some sort of flowchart, some sort of patient inclusion flowchart, which looks terrible. I think journals within the submission process should prod researchers to think very carefully about the social media previews that are done, whether it's shared on Twitter or Blue Sky or Facebook or whatever, because those previews uh, really make a difference as to whether people click. And right now they're very boring. Um, this technology isn't very difficult. It is simply a way of asking researchers, um, please upload an image or a small preview of what you want to have when people share your article, because I think that can really improve that. I haven't seen any journals that do this well. They all do the default. Um, so that is one thing that I would do, thinking very carefully about social media previews. That's a very niche thing, but that that's just what's come to mind. This is just a sort of, this is a sort of half-formed idea. Uh-huh that uh, I had a while ago, right? You're familiar with the registered report model. Yes. Obviously, most people listening to this will be familiar with registered reports as well. Um, Ten-second version, uh, a research plan is submitted to the journal. Um, The journal makes modifications to it uh, if they so desire and agree to publish the eventual output if the experiment is is conducted exactly as described, um, at which point in time it can contain any sort of speculative shit that you like over and above the pre-agreed upon research plan. So it's basically pre-registration with bollocks, which it very much needs because pre-registration is pretty gameable at the end of the day. So after Chris and all his pals uh, stopped having a central focus on that because there's now multiple hundreds of journals that offer registered reports. They started looking at this model where they pull uh, journal articles before they're published, peer review them internally, and then make a decision about eventually where they're going to go. Um, so basically, they they the articles go into a collective pool and appear reviewed by a community of people. And from there, they are chosen from journals who, uh, who either like them or don't, which is, I think uh, it's a, it's a very interesting idea because um, I mean, the people who are actually doing the work are in charge. They get to say whatever the fuck they like about it um, without, uh, without any kind of procedural shit getting in the way. So, what I would, what I think would be really interesting, is 
what I can only describe as a consortium paper where an initial or a partial result is immediately submitted to the actual journal and then people who are members uh, within a consortium that's already agreed to work on this within the journal join the research team after the initial research is complete. They're not treated as authors. They're treated as consortium members who help the motherfucker along. Um, basically, you've done half a thing or two-thirds of a thing or three-quarters of a thing, and then you go to the journal and then you say, so it's like a registered report in the fact that you take an incomplete thing, uh, incomplete thing to a journal. But then you acquire not just the sort of editorial oversight, but you actually acquire members of the research team who are treated, uh, who, are, who are filed differently after the fact. And the reason to do – there's many reasons to do this. First of all, it puts more work, more quality into an individual paper. Um, it, it puts dramatic downward pressure on uh, the amount of stuff that you have to handle at any given point in time because, I mean, this is also something you want to be reasonably selective about because it would involve people in the, cons in the consortium having to agree to do it in the first place. So you agree to be part of a pool and eventually they get named on it. Um. But the thing that I really like is there is a tremendous lack between countries, uh, even schools or departments, or sometimes even sections of departments within different uh, within different areas academically. Everywhere where people do not get access to the right kind of people. Now, I'm not saying, there's like, James, how does this differ from just writing to someone fancy when you've got something mostly complete and then asking them to badge your paper up with their name? It's because that's obviously wildly dishonest because there's no, there's no transparency. Um, and there's obviously the senior authors who are notorious for doing shit like that. It is a better model. It is a better model for authorship badging and coattail writing and free writing that happens. Because it's happening on the basis of we did this and then we added the fancy person and then we did the initial thing mm. after that. So that's a consortium paper in my mind. That'd be quite big. That'd be quite comprehensive. But more than anything else, someone who had a good idea or the thing was actually interesting to someone else has the ability to get in front of someone who said, not just sort of, I will review your shit which I don't think people are like, oh, if you peer review, people will notice you. No, they won't. If you send the, the, the paper to a fancy journal, then the people who are the editors of the journal and readers of the journal will notice you. No, they won't. Do you know when they'll fucking notice you? When you actually work together. Yeah. That's, the, that's the barrier. Or when you meet them, right? When you actually have a relationship with them that is not just uh, completely asynchronous where you have one brief communication once every six weeks and then they say yes or no and then you do whatever. I've forgotten literally every single person I've, I've had in my whole life in a relationship like that except for like one <laughs> because he was the handling editor four times on all the papers that they rejected of mine from psychophysiology. Um, and so, so, you know, I remember that motherfucker not particularly fondly. <laughs> So, so how this work uh, a lot practice? of the time, honestly, a lot of the time, honestly, it was uh, like him saying, "Well, I'm sorry, the reviewers are the reviewers. I don't think it's necessarily fair." They can go fuck themselves. You're, the, you're the boss. You know, well, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So that is a. It's also like the research products, and this is going to be substantial, right? Because we're talking about multi-series, multi-experiment, multi-whatever. But at the same time, what we're also, like I said, this whole idea is to be able to produce. Papers like in the life sciences, big papers are important to people. A lot of the time you're talking six, eight authors, 18 months worth of work, and then you get a particular result established. A works in B on C under D conditions, whatever, and it ends up representing something that's really fucking important, right? We pretend to have those in other areas. Yeah? Mm. Um. It's more of like a social science thing. You read some fucking cognitive thing and they just roll the experiment over nine times, come up with some conclusion no one really gives a shit about. Yeah. So this is like if everyone wants to be involved in something like this, is this is like I'm thinking about the sort of the like equality of of opportunity when it comes to co-authorship more than anything else. It's like if the quality of the idea is going to compel someone to uh, get involved on that level.
And this is not just like an advisor thing. This is more a, you know, they're not going to go, oh, yeah, good job. Keep it up. It's a matter of like, we're doing this work. Mm. I'm helping you do this work. Um, I'm coming in after the fact, so I'm not an author in the traditional sense, but I'm actually helping you do the work from that point. So, um, we're part of a consortia, but the, but they're not the co-author on the paper. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it, I mean, we have plenty of formal advisory roles in, in academia for a variety of reasons. Yeah? Hmm. It's also, I mean, you obviously, you, you, like, you need to pick the right topics. Everyone, if everyone agrees that it's a good idea, um, it's going to behave itself. You can put in also, like, if it comes to a sort of registered report model. So you could think of it as a sort of a uh, a more involved a more involved sort of rolling uh, version of a registered report. But also, look, those motherfuckers are hard to review. And you, you have to get down into like gritty in the analysis and go, do it exactly this way and I'll believe you, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, well, like maybe occasionally you get acknowledged for the really serious uh, going over that you're going to put into what is going into that uh, research model in the first place. Yeah, yeah? you've really got to you've you've really got to get involved. You're going to get that involved. Don't fucking stop halfway. You don't want to become some like unacknowledged, unacknowledged participant in the research. But there's no name for that. Mm. So formalize the motherfucker. Yeah. Um, famous people are going to love it. Because yeah. I mean, it, proportionally, it's less work than they'd see in big things they could contribute into. It mm. also gives the, like the the sort of market based elements an opportunity to vote for something like that. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll work the other way around. Maybe famous people would be submitting shit and go, "I don't have any idea what to do with this. Like, what the fuck should we try next?" And then mm. other people say, "Oh, yes, you definitely. I will come in as a consortium member if we can do A, B, and C." But you, you're proposing here that consortium members don't necessarily have to contribute data. They're more just contributing to the paper, or they can do both. Because typically, uh, they can they can they, they can do anything. But it's like the whole point of not making them an author is the fact that the entirety of like if you took them out, the paper would still exist. Yep. Right. In some capacity, the whole point is like, could you contribute after the fact in something that is sort of post-publication in some sense? Could you make a definite contribution to it to make it better? Mm. Well, yes, you could. Okay. Well, I mean, it's obvious that that doesn't work when we're talking about reviewers saying at experiment 4C. Uh, in my experience dealing with fake shit and bad shit, the place that you want to start is the very last experiment people did because that's the one they added because someone had some fucking dumb shit idea uh, that they wanted you to roll. Has someone looked at that formally? That there's more likely to be there's, stuff that doesn't add up the, to the last experiment? That's a heuristic that we use. Um, I had a lot of conversations about it, but you know how few of these items there are and how long it takes to establish that something like this is a problem, right? Yeah. 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 But okay. I might have had this conversation with... Uh, with Nick Brown half a dozen times, you know? Oh, experiment one to five. We should probably check 5B. Oh, well, wait. Yeah, look, there's a problem. So it, it's, it's an actual <laughs> – it's it's Yeah, it's an actual heuristic that we use. And if you're yeah. trying to check something really quickly, like the problem a lot of the time with doing it, of course, you've got no fucking context for 5B because you haven't read one through four. Sure. Anyway. Um, I like this. Shit. I, I mean, this is, it, it's not, it's not a particularly well formed idea. I don't know how much people would care about the distinction between this and something else. But I like the idea. I, I particularly like, we have all these conversations about equity and access. And I can't help but think, sort of in perpetuity, that there's all these people in all these labs in all these countries and we just never hear from them. They don't have access to, the well-polished, fancy results, better funding English language journal version. How to write a couple of the fuck it is they're doing. Yeah, they don't. It's like there's there's a structural barrier that's obviously, obviously, obviously there. Mm. And it's not just a matter of well, obviously that happens in big in big budget science. When in gigantic budget science, you know, with fucking like twelve hundred people working on the same lepton, like put that to one side. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you're going to do a fancy thing that costs millions of dollars of experimental, whatever, mm. yeah, it's very uncommon that, uh, 
lower middle income countries are contributing authors who work in those places to it. Now, I just do not believe that they're somehow incapable. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I, so I completely have, agree. I believe that they don't have any ability to access the interior social structures yep. that we do the work that we do within. Well, you more than me that I did, I suppose. Hmm. I do not believe that there is a pathway to be able to get them more involved. Do I, mean, do I believe that they could come up with some really fucking interesting initial result and then not have the money, time, resources, insight, contacts, whatever, to be able to do something more with it? 100% yes. Mm. Do I believe that there's someone out there who would fucking help them if there was a mechanism for doing that? And also, you know, it would be in their interests as well. Any proposal or something like this, everyone loves a proposal where there's like, one, someone has to do more work. Two, isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, this is a, it's, it's, it's not that. Mm. I don't know. And I would see being like a, a participant in 80 of these papers or something like that to mean in the same way you you see these people in their fucking bios, I published more than 300 papers and you've said something sensible in four of them. Mm. So why don't you throw yourself down a flight of stairs? Fuck mm. off. Uh, I believe, though, that it would be a better signal to say uh, I elected myself and then contributed my, my – Time, expertise, money, energy, laboratory resources, uh, mm. people, equipment, otherwise, to 80 of these projects. Um, it, the, the place where it gets really gnarly and a thing that obviously I can't figure out for some half-assed idea is the fact that everyone's already got funding McFuck that is tied to individual projects. Yeah. Right. You get the money to do the thing. You go straight through the plan. You get to the end. Nothing particularly interesting happens. But I mean, if that's that, if that's the case, maybe you're the person who's on the outside looking in, and that's the sort of help you're getting. Maybe, or maybe the help only consists of well, you shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way. Mm. Or I don't believe you until you do these three other controls. We can work through them together, but you're collecting the data. It's all still a contribution. Yeah. On that basis. Yeah. I like the So it's it's possible. I think there's probably areas where it'd work better than others. Anyway, this is obviously a lot longer than three minutes, but you no, fucking fine. asked because you were probably hoping I was gonna be as incoherent as you. Yeah. Mission successful. I like this idea because it lowers Oh, was it? <laughs> that was Jesus. <laughs> I like this idea because it lowers the threshold for participation and the benefits that you can get for how to learn the system and how to actually build collaborations I think can be very valuable and people can learn learn, learn both ways it isn't just fancy person imparting their, their knowledge to the person from the other institution I think I think it can go both ways and right now there isn't that many mechanisms to do that so I like the overall concept this is this is interesting because consortium it's, it's it's something it's something that could be it's something that could be worked on I just I, you know if you go to some journals, you probably narrow it down to like 90, 95% of the authors come from five individual countries or something. Sure. Right? I refuse to believe that that is an accurate reflection of all the work that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't think that is the case. I don't think that can be the case. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't believe that's how people work. I think people I are doing good that's stuff. That's how human interest works in the topics that are suggested. Yeah. I just don't believe that's the case. And there needs it, it is also. I mean, you could do some this. People got all these ideas, you know. It's like, oh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to buy a plane. We're going to write "White Savior" on the side of it. We're going <laughs> to sail that motherfucker directly into a place where all the poor people live, and we're going to fix everything. And like. You are basically smug missionaries with test tubes and you're fucking irritating, right? You're doing that to feel better about yourself. It's not going to help those people. I don't care about you. But fuck, there's got to be a better way to formalize the idea of like, how am I going to meet these people in the first place? How am I going to network? 
Yeah. Are we going to work together? Yeah. You know, you can form a meaningful relationship with a motherfucker. Mm. This is the thing that I keep coming back to. You can swap as many emails as you like. You can be their best friend. You can go around to the house and mind their fucking dog. But when you actually work together is the point where I think a lot of that starts to change and you like how you do outsider and insider in your head yeah. starts to change. Yeah. Um, I think this is why people find adversarial collaborations incredibly fucking irritating but essentially rewarding yeah. in the end. Yeah. Because they're actually forced to talk to these people. <laughs> Imagine doing an adversarial collaboration in a f- study of something fraudulent. <laughs> like, all of this is fake. No, it's not. Let's work on this. <laughs> I come to your house and look through your hard drive. How about that? I like the idea. I look, I look forward to the launch of your journal, James. My journal? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know I don't like journals very much. It's just a sort of a concept that in general, um, I have a mixed relationship with the whole concept. I don't believe that something that was essentially codified in the 17th century is uh, going to be the best response to how we produce knowledge now. Mm. Um, I think it's very unlikely that that's true. And if anyone's interested in our precise opinion on all that shit they go back through the last six years of us talking seven, shit. seven, seven years um, 180 hours christ I, bun. Um, I, I that is numbers. so much yeah lather. um but i don't know i there's there's so many there's so many concepts that you can that you can work with, that you can have a go at. And it's all, I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes back to people. Like, is, is there anything missing? Will anyone give a fuck? Are there people who are involved? Does someone want to try it? So much of any successful endeavor comes with the accurate perception of human need. Yeah? I think you need to have some weird combination of empathy and intelligence to look at all the people around you in your industry or your social circle or the world or whatever else and go, I know what they're like, you know? I mean, if it's a shit product that's user-hostile, it's solving a problem, people are going to buy it, resent it, and then they're going to keep using it because they're going to remember with a no small degree of anger uh, how bad it used to be in the old days. And, you know, they're going to do a lot of bitching, but essentially they're going to come back to Earth. And the Earth is, well, yeah, I used to do this with a paper and pencil, and it sucked kilometers of horse ass. <laughs> on that note, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for we're listening. We're going to wrap up on the note of kilometers of horse ass. That's horse a good ass. episode title. Episode title, kilometers of horse ass. There we go. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we'll be back again. I'm with, so sorry. That's okay. We'll be back again with. I should even share what your what your screen name is today. It's always some good yeah. stuff. What Thanks all. Say, Dan? But it says Genghis Khan's ugly sister. You got it, baby. See you later. Hey. <laughs>